It is a terrible thing to be wronged, to be slighted, to be treated unfairly, to be passed over, to be taken for granted, to have evil returned for good that you have done, to have given yourself and to have received wounds in return. Friend, Jesus knows all about that. Nobody has been wronged more than he has been wronged. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, as we just heard, that list of unfair treatment, those ways that we feel slighted, I think everyone can say that they can identify with that. But why is it so important for us to recognize that Jesus also identifies with that? Well, we've all been wronged. Um, some of us have been wronged much more than others. I've spoken to folks, I'm sure you have, who have really experienced such extraordinary injustice. You mm -hmm. think, this is terrible, and your heart goes out to that person. But nobody has been wronged more than Jesus Christ. And, you know, in any situation of life, you want to talk to someone who's been through it. And if you've been wronged, there is no one who knows what that is more than Jesus Christ. And uh, that's a wonderful reason for drawing near to him. Well, Colin, last time we began to look at what we do when we have been wronged and how we go about making peace. And today we're going to continue to look at 10 tactics for peacemakers. We need peacemakers in a world of conflict. And to know Christ, who is the great peacemaker, really brings that calling into all of our lives as Christians. But the question is how? And we're really going after the how from the Bible. The Bible speaks practically. And uh, we're going to look at how to pursue peace from the scripture today. If you can, please open your Bible and join us as we continue the message, Cultivating Peace. Here is Pastor Colin. Take a step towards peace. We've gone from thinking about a massively long journey to a single step which, of course, is the way that every long journey begins. I'm thinking here of Romans in chapter 12 and verse 20, another great passage on the subject of peace in the Bible, where God says to us this, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Your enemy the person with whom you would hope one day there will be peace. And here he is, something's happened, and for some strange reason, he's hungry. He's got some need. And God says, well, now in that situation, here's what you do. You do something to help him. You reach out with some act of kindness towards him in his situation of need. Now, the principle here is a very simple one. And it is, of course, that the longest journey begins with a single step. And this is very important when peace seems a long way off. Some of you may even now be in a situation, perhaps in counseling, and you're saying, will there ever be reconciliation? It's hard even to imagine. Is this, is this worth it? And as you think about the length of the journey, that may be discouraging to you. Very, very important to think also along with that and your commitment to that about the value of taking one small step. What would be one step 
one thing that I could do that would make this situation better? That's the question here. One thing that would lessen the tension. One thing that might be appreciated. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. He's, he's unlikely to snarl in that situation. I've been reading again um, the story of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Here was this moment when the whole world is on the brink of a nuclear holocaust. Two mighty nations, and they're standing toe-to-toe. This enormous nuclear arsenals on either side ready to be unleashed to unimaginable destruction. To this day, it remains the most dangerous moment in world history ever. And the key question at the heart of the Cuban Missile Crisis was, what would be a single step that could begin the process of de-escalation? What would be a single step that would do that? What would be one thing that we could do that might make possible some other step in response? A single step. What would that be? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. In a situation of conflict, will you look this week for one step that you could take that might make a responsive step, however small, at least possible. Number six, aim at humility, not humiliation. Aim at humility, not humiliation. Now think about the character of the Lord Jesus Christ as God comes to us in Christ as the great peacemaker. And here I'm thinking about Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, the coming of Christ from all the glory that is his and being found in human form, he humbled himself. Isn't that an amazing statement? Not just that he humbled himself by taking human form, even when he was in human form, he humbled himself. And you see that all the way through the Gospels in the life and in the character of the Lord Jesus. Think about this. When God was giving the law, his voice thundered impersonally from Sinai. The experience of the people was just sheer terror at the awesomeness of this voice, this unseen form, just a thundering voice as God gives the law at Sinai. But when God is making peace, he comes to us with his own glory veiled. 
he does not come to us in all the evidence of his strength. He comes to us in Jesus Christ in weakness. Christ crucified in weakness. He comes alongside of us in our own flesh, and he speaks to us face to face. God speaking with people face to face. There's a humility that runs right throughout God's magnificent way of making peace. God makes peace not by a triumph of power, but by a triumph of love. He wins us. He woos us. He draws us. His love constrains us. This is how God makes peace. And then think about this. It is, it is marvelous. God does this when all the right was on his side and all the wrong was on ours. You might think that God would come to us and say, you guys are just the worst of sinners and I've got absolute holiness. And... But he comes to us with his glory veiled and his love constrains us. Why have you been drawn to Jesus Christ? Is it not his love? Is it not his grace? Were you really conquered by the law? Or were you won by the love of Jesus Christ? Aim at humility, but never humiliation. When you have been wronged, I mean really wronged, when you have been wronged, ask yourself what you want. Do I want vengeance? Do I want that person who wronged me to squirm? Do I want vindication? Do I want it to be absolutely clear that I was right? Or do I want to make peace? These are three very different things. And people who want vindication and people who want vengeance cannot make peace. If you want to see someone who has hurt you squirm in the dust, you are not ready to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. They are the ones who are like him. During his book about the Cuban Missile Crisis, Robert Kennedy quotes his brother, the president, quote, John F. Kennedy says, if anybody, this is the 26th of October, 1962, and Kennedy says, if anybody is around to write after this, can you imagine him saying that? If anyone's even around to write after this, they are going to understand that we made every effort to find peace and every effort to give our adversary room to move 
I, says John F. Kennedy, am not going to push the Russians an inch beyond what is necessary. And then Robert Kennedy records this in his notes. He says, after it was finished, the president instructed all members of the government that no interview was to be given, no statement made that would claim any kind of victory. Why? Because peacemakers aim at humility, but never humiliation. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Cultivating Peace. And we've been looking at tactics for peacemakers. We've gone through six and there are four more to go, so do stay with us. We'll get to those in just a moment. Now, while I have a moment, I want to tell you about some new and exciting things happening at Open the Bible. They are in the midst of a number of changes on the website, including making it easier for you to show your support for the ministry. When you go to openthebible.org.uk, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free copy of Pastor Colin's new book, Six Hours That Changed the World. In this book, Pastor Colin gives a clear, biblical and compelling presentation of the gospel message that you could use to share with someone this Easter. How can you receive a copy? Well, go to the website, set up a regular donation of at least £5 a month and they'll be happy to send you a free copy of Six Hours That Changed the World. Learn more about Pastor Colin's latest book and how to set up a donation when you go to openthebible.org.uk. Let's continue the message as we look at more tactics for peacemakers. Here is Pastor Colin. Number seven. Number seven. Trust the injustice you have suffered to God. Now, if there's to be real progress in peacemaking, this also is absolutely huge. I'll take a few minutes on it uh, that remain, and then very briefly, just the last ones to round off here. But um, here is something absolutely critical to the progress of, of all peacemaking, that you trust the injustice that you have suffered to God. Now, friends, it is a terrible thing to be wronged, and I'd be surprised if there's anyone in this congregation today who doesn't have a story of being wronged, and some of you have stories of being wronged in terrible ways. It is a terrible thing to be wronged, to be slighted, to be treated unfairly, to be passed over, to be taken for granted, to have evil returned for good that you have done, to have given yourself and to have received wounds in return. Friend, Jesus knows all about that. Nobody has been wronged more than he has been wronged. And no one is a peacemaker like Jesus Christ is a peacemaker. And we have the most marvelous model to follow in Jesus. No one has had their rights ignored or flouted quite like our Lord Jesus Christ has. And so Peter tells us in his letter, and you will want to mark this if you're trying to get a handle on what peacemaking is all about. In 1 Peter in chapter 2, he, he tells us how Jesus did this, how he dealt with all of this. 
It is a huge, huge passage of Scripture for anyone who has been wronged and really wants to be like Jesus. He says, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19, you might like to turn to it just for this, this moment here briefly. This, he says, is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. So he's talking about what to do when you've suffered injustice, like Jesus did. You've been treated unfairly, and now you're beginning to feel resentment, and you're losing your own peace, and you feel yourself getting angry, and you don't want to go down that path. Verse 20 says, if you do good and you suffer from it and endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Verse 21, for to this you've been called. There's a calling here because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. That is an example to do of what to do when you're wronged, when you suffer injustice. He's left you an example so that you, he says, might follow in his steps. What is this example of Christ that I'm to follow when I'm wronged, really wronged, as he was wronged? Peter tells us, it's just very simple. You can see it right there. Two things Jesus didn't do and two things he did. What did he not do? When he was reviled, he did not revile again. He did not revile in return. People spoke out against Jesus. People slandered Jesus. People insulted Jesus, people spat on Jesus, people provoked Jesus, but when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. That's what he didn't do, and, and that's an example that we may follow in his footsteps because we're to be like him. And why did he not revile again? Why did he not give them, in his words, what they deserved? And the answer is because he came to make peace. What else did he not do? When he suffered, he did not threaten. That's huge. Soldiers flogged him and nailed him and inflicted unimaginable pain upon him. And he's the Son of God to whom all judgment has been trusted. And he could have looked down from that cross and he could have said, You wait. You wait. And he did not do that. Why? Because he came to make peace. What did he do? Peter says he continued entrusting himself to God who judges justly. And that's an example for you and for me. When we're wronged, you, you bring that injustice and you place it into the hands of God. That's what Jesus did. You say, oh God, you know about it. And I trust you to deal with it. And not only does he trust the injustice to God, notice what Peter says, Christ trusted himself to God. In other words, he does not seek his own vindication because he knows that his vindication is with God. Friends, there is a tremendous release here when you are wronged or where you are slighted. Your vindication is with God. And you can trust yourself to him who judges justly. 
if you were able to vindicate yourself to everybody entirely in this life, actually that would be quite a small thing. How much better for your vindicator to be God Himself? And what if you have to wait until heaven for that vindication to be known? That's only a short step away anyway. And not only did He entrust Himself to the one who judges justly, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. He bore this injustice. He bore what was done against Him. He absorbed the pain of it without passing it on, bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned He stood, sealed my pardon with His blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. He bore it. He bore our sins in His body on the tree. And Peter says, this is an example that you may follow in his footsteps. And what came of it? Verse 24, by his wounds you have been healed. Christ's wounds have brought healing for you. And in terms of human relationships, your wounds can be healing wounds also by his grace. That's what it's saying. If you bear them and you trust yourself to him who judges justly. Very briefly, just completing this, number eight, pray for peace. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 1 Timothy says, all who are in high positions, we're to pray for them that we may lead peaceful and quiet lives in a godly and a dignified way. If you're committed to peace, praying for peace will be part of your prayer life. Number nine, share the gospel of peace as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Isn't it interesting how often the Bible connects the gospel with running? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news and the gospel of peace. It's like shoes on your feet. It's to be taken out. Some people think that the seventh beatitude is all about helping men and women to come to peace with God and relate it, therefore, to the work of evangelism. I don't think it should be limited to that, but we certainly don't understand the full range of this beatitude apart from that. A person who is a peacemaker, a son of God, will be reflecting God's great peacemaking, which is what? The reconciling of people to Himself through Jesus Christ. And how does that happen? Through your sharing the gospel this week. That may be the greatest peacemaking you ever do, is to lead a person directly to Jesus Christ. And number 10 is simply this, cherish peace wherever you find it. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Sometimes a phrase, a very simple phrase, stays in a way that's helpful. I end with this. I, I once met another pastor for a meal in England. It was the only time I ever met him. We got together for a meal because we had to talk about an issue in which it was at least possible that we might disagree. Never met him before, and we sat down at this meal, and he offered to say grace when the meal was served, and this is what he prayed. Never forget it. Lord, we were one when we met. Let nothing in this conversation today make that less when we part. Amen. It was a wonderful meal. His prayer was answered. 
and there was peace. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the challenging message today, Cultivating Peace, looking at tactics for peacemakers. We weren't able to get to all of them in today's broadcast. We actually began these last time, but you can catch up when you go to openthebible.org.uk and stream the broadcast. Again, that website is openthebible.org.uk. Now, Open the Bible is able to stay here on Premier Christian Radio each day because of your financial support. And this month, they have something new and exciting to offer as they continue to make a number of changes on the website, and that includes an easier way for you to give. Visit the website at openthebible.org.uk and as a token of appreciation for your financial support, they have a special gift to send you. It's Pastor Colin's latest book, Six Hours That Changed the World. And Colin, how could you see someone using this book? Well, the six hours that changed the world, of course, are the six hours that Jesus was hanging on the cross. And during that time, he spoke seven times. And each time he spoke, he gave an insight into what he was actually doing on the cross. So one way in which this book could be used is that you could read one of the sections in each of the seven days leading up to Easter. And that would take you into the heart of what Jesus was doing on the cross, what he accomplished, why he was there, and what difference it makes for you. And for families, this would be very simple. It would take about five minutes to read one of these sections. You could do that each day in the week leading up to Easter, and it would really help all of your family to see what it was that Jesus accomplished on the cross and why it changes everything for all who believe. The book is called Six Hours That Changed the World, and they're excited to be able to offer this to you in appreciation for your support. For setting up a regular donation of at least £5 a month, they'll send you a free copy of the book as a special thank you gift. Learn more when you go to the website, openthebible.org.uk. Again, that's openthebible.org.uk. This is what a godly life looks like. This is the path of progress, of sanctification. If you like, these are the things that I am to cultivate. These are the things that Jesus Christ says I'm to go after. What will be the outcome of pursuing such a life? If I go down this path, where does it lead? Find out when you join Pastor Colin next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible.